Here's the story of two dental hygienists from opposite sides of the world who became friends because they realized their professional lives were so in sync. One in Australia and one in America, both exuding their high passion for high-level patient care, both pushing back on legacy dentistry. If you are ready to revolutionize the practice of dental hygiene through science and innovation, join us as we are Disrupting Dentistry. Welcome to another episode of the Disrupting Dentistry podcast. I am your American dental hygiene host, Melissa. And I'm your Australian dental hygiene host, Tabitha. So we've got a great episode for you today. It is actually International Drug Awareness Dependence Day. Awareness Day. <laughs> Awareness Day. I knew I was forgetting a word there. So uh, we're going to discuss that because, again, it always comes back to how we can help our patients in the chair. So drug dependence occurs when you need one or more drugs to function. And the American Psychiatric Association used to distinguish between the dependence and abuse. Abuse was considered the mild or early phase of inappropriate drug use that led to dependence. People viewed dependence as more of a severe problem than abuse. Well, the American Psychiatric Association replaced dependence and abuse with substance use disorder in 2013, edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And this diagnosis focused on the disorder involving the use of substances instead now. So let's break down drug dependence versus drug addiction. Some people use the terms addiction and dependence interchangeably, but dependence is not the same as addiction. Addiction can occur without being dependent on drugs, and addiction may involve using drugs despite the consequences, being unable to stop using drugs, or neglecting social and work obligations because of drug use. Whereas dependence, it's possible to be dependent on drugs without being addicted. Dependence can be a bodily response to a substance, and this often occurs if you rely on medications to control a chronic medical condition. These conditions may include high blood pressure, diabetes, or glaucoma. Dependence may involve some or all of the symptoms of addiction, development of a high tolerance for the substance as your body adapts to the drug, leading to the desire for large or more frequent doses, and physical symptoms of withdrawal when you attempt to stop using the drug. So how does drug abuse lead to dependence? According to the National Institute of Drug Abuse, uh, which is a trusted source, estimates about 22.7 million Americans need help treating drug or alcohol problems. In some cases, people may take prescription medication for pain or other medical conditions. This kind of use sometimes can develop into substance use disorder. The following are known triggers for substance use disorders, having a family history of addiction, living in an environment where illegal drugs are often used and easy to access, having a history of anxiety or depression, and having a history of any other mental health condition. So if you think about that number of 22.7 million Americans, we always say this, like it breaks down to how many of those people are sitting in your dental chair. Do you know what's scary, Melissa? We've only got about 24 million Australians in our whole country. Oh my so that's god. That's practically the whole of Australia. The whole country of Australia. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so, yeah. When you think of it like that, you're like, wow, that is a huge amount. That is so huge, drug users yeah. typically pass through certain stages on their way to drug dependence. One way that healthcare providers describe these stages is called the genelic curve. The curve tracks typical stages experienced through occasional use, dependence, disorder, and rehabilitation. These stages include the drugs um, of recreation that they may take in frequently in social settings, uh, start using drugs on a regular basis, often abandoning family and friends in favour of drug use, and then they become concerned about losing access to drugs. 
They could become addicted to drugs as they become more tolerant to the effects and preoccupied with getting them. And they may abandon most or all of their previous interests and relationships. And they can become dependent on drugs and unable to live without them. And physical and mental um, health deteriorates with that as well. So let's talk about recognizing the symptoms of drug dependence. You can also determine if an addiction has turned into dependence by looking at behavior. When a person is addicted to drugs and hasn't had them for a period of time, this can cause some physical reaction. Some of these physical symptoms include um, withdrawal, with withdrawal can occur when the body becomes stressed without the drug. These symptoms include anxiety, depression, muscle weakness, nightmares, body aches, sweating, nausea, and vomiting. So we're going to have a little bit of a look at the breakdown between drugs within Australia and America because they're obviously the two countries that Melissa and I are from. And starting with Australia, according to the 2019 National Drug um, Strategy Household Survey, an estimated 9 million, 43% of people aged 14 or over in Australia had illicitly used drugs at some point in their lifetime, including the non-medical use of pharmaceuticals. And an estimated 3.4 million, 16.4%, had used an illicit drug in the last 12 months. This was similar to proportions in 2016, and in 2019, the most common illicit drug used in the previous 12 months was cannabis at 11.6%, followed by cocaine at 4.2%, and ecstasy at 3%. A number of changes were reported in the recent use of illicit drugs from 2016 to 2019, including the increased use of cannabis from 104 to 11.6%, cocaine from 25 to 4.2%, that's quite a big gap, uh, jump, sorry, ecstasy from 22 to 3%, hallucinogenics from 1.1% to 1.6%, inhalants from 1% to 1.4%, and ketamine from 04 to 0.9%. Wow. We just had um, a lot of legislation change, especially here in New Jersey, where they just made cannabis legal. And it's funny, because not funny, but I was coming out of the gym yesterday and just that's like such a smell, right? Yeah. It's very obvious. And I was walking out of the gym and it just like hit me outside of the gym. I was like, who was doing that before going to the gym? Like, that's just crazy. Yeah. But anyway, I noticed when I was in New York, every corner just smelt like marijuana. Yeah. Well, that, that was New York even before it was, oh, you know, made legal. Yeah. <laughs> it smells like marijuana and urine. Yeah. Sorry, New York. It's the truth. Overall, in 2019, estimated 900,000 people, 4.2%, aged 14 and over, used pharmaceutical drugs for non-medical purposes in the last 12 months. That that age bracket just kills me, 14 and over. A decline from 4.8%, an estimated 1 million people in 2016. Between 2016 and 2019, the proportion of people using painkillers and opioids for non-medical purposes declined from 3.6% to 2.7%. This decline is most likely due to a reclassification of medications containing codeine that was implemented in 2018. Under the change, drugs with codeine, including some painkillers, can no longer be bought for pharmacy without, from the pharmacy without a prescription. The proportion of people using codeine for non-medical purposes has halved since 2016 from 3% to 1.5 in 2019. So it worked. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it really worked, didn't it? That's one good thing is that we know that that change has actually worked. 
So in 2016, painkillers and opioids used for non-medical purposes were the second most commonly used illicit drug in the previous 12 months after cannabis. But in 2019, they, they were the fourth after cannabis, cocaine and ecstasy. So that, that legislation and that public health effort really made a change. Due to the changes in the recent use of number of illicit drugs between 2016 and 2019 for methamphetamines are no longer in the top five illicit drugs, most likely to be used in the previous 12 months. Methamphetamines use has been declining. It peaked at 3.4% in 2001 and stabilised in 2019 and um, it was one4 in 2016. To better understand the illicit drug use in Australia, it's important to consider the frequency of drug, drug use and not just the proportion of people who have used the drug in the previous 12 months. Some drugs are used more often than others and the health risks of illicit drugs and their use increase with the frequency type and quantity of the drugs used. While cocaine and ecstasy were used by more people in the previous 12 months, most people use drugs infrequently, with 54% of people who used cocaine and 51% of people used ecstasy, reporting only using the drug once or twice a year in 2019. Conversely, monthly or more frequent drug use was more commonly reported among people who used cannabis, 50%, or methamphetamines, 33%. And looking at how COVID had an impact on illicit drug use, in the 2021, the illicit drug reporting system was adapted to collect information about the experiences during COVID-19 of people who regularly inject drugs, and the data collected took place between June and July 2021. 12% of illicit drug uh users participants had difficulties accessing sterile needles and syringes which yeah when you're locked down you didn't even think about that and five percent had difficulties safely disposing of used needles and syringes and 49 percent of the participants had a disruption of their drug treatment during COVID-19 as well. Wow so let's take a look at the health impact. The deaths related to drug-induced uh, deaths are defined as those that can be directly attributed to the use of drugs, which includes both those due to acutely toxic, acute toxicity, uh, for example, drug overdose, and those due to chronic use, drug-induced cardiac conditions. As determined by Toxicology and Pathology reports, analysis of the National Mortality Database, I'm having a very hard time. <laughs> Speaking today. It is 5 a.m. for Melissa, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> in 2020, 1,842 uh, deaths were drug-induced, which was equivalent of 7.2 uh, for a 100,000 population for the age. Among one of the highest rates in the record, but still lower than the rate in 1999 of 9.1 deaths per every 100,000 people. Opioids continue to be the most common drug class present in the drug-induced deaths over the past decade, 4.3 per 100,000 population in 2020. And opioids include the use of the number of drug types, including heroin, opiate-based analgesics, such as codeine and oxycodone, and synthetic opioid prescriptions, such as tramadol and fentanyl. In 2020, are were the most common single drug type present in drug-induced deaths, deaths, so 3.2 per 100,000 population. And over the past decade, drug-induced deaths were more likely to be due to prescription drugs than illegal drugs. Isn't that interesting? Mm, that's and there has been a substantial rise in the deaths with prescription drugs present. For synthetic opioids, including fentanyl and tremadol, in particular, the rate has increased by 0.3 per 100,000 population, so 75 deaths. In 2011, 2.8, so 218 deaths in 2020, 
in 2020. In 2020, five or more drugs were present in 19.3% of all drug-induced deaths and a further 17.9% reported three drugs present. Females were more likely than males to have five or more drugs present in their toxicology. Mm, wow. So, you know what, that kind of makes me think with the prescription drug piece. Have you ever had a patient in your practice where it was flagged that they were, you know, abusing or had multiple prescriptions? Yeah, I had a patient come to me once. It's quite funny. Uh, like I was like, mm, you didn't hide this well. Um, <laughs> he he like he was in my like in a hygiene, but he was like, I've got a toothache. Do you think the dentist can write me a prescription for oxycodone? And I was like, no. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, when you come in and you ask for it directly, like you know, you yeah. didn't even like fake the toothache that well. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, but yeah, we, we de I definitely saw it in general. I don't really see it in specialist perio, to be honest. Um, but I definitely saw it in general practice where people were definitely practice shopping, trying to get. Um, they're, they're classified as a certain type of drug, like it's like a class B or class C or something like that in Australia. I can't remember the class, but you kind of get flagged for pre prescribing them as certain providers. So as a dentist, if you were sending, writing too many of those scripts, you'd actually get flagged and someone would look into it. And we track prescriptions. So even in Australia, like I get really bad hay fever and sinus. And mm -hmm. if I want to buy Sudafed with pseudoephedrine in it, I have to hand over my license and they track how many times I'm buying that over the counter to make sure I'm not buying it. Well, one, I'm not then crushing them down and making drugs in my bathtub, which I think was one of the problems. And um, but that you know that you're not over consuming them as well. Yeah, yeah, no, that's actually a very smart way to do that. Yeah, um, yeah, we've had similar things. We actually had the pharmacy call the practice once because they're like, oh, "You wrote a prescription for this patient for this, but they uh, just recently filled the same prescription from another provider." Yeah. And the pharmacist flagged it and I think not didn't fill it and consulted with the doctor and that's great yeah, yeah it is great it doesn't always happen that way but it was it was really good to see that and that's why I love things like uh, products like Stella Life that help so much in a homeopathic way with pain management so we don't have to write these scripts as much yeah. when our patients surgical procedures but uh, back to the stats, the burden of disease. According to the Australian Burden of Disease Study in 2018, illicit drug use contributed to 3% of the total burden of disease and injury in 2018. This included the impact of opioids, amphetamines, cocaine, cannabis, and other illicit drug use, as well as unsafe in injecting practices. The rate of total burden of disease and injury attributed to illicit drug use increased by 35% between 20 2003 and 2018. Opioid use accounted for the largest proportion, 31%, of illicit drug use burden, followed by amphetamine, 24%, unfa unsafe injecting practices, 18%, cocaine, 11%, and cannabis, 10% of use. Illicit drug use was responsible for almost all burden to, due to drug and use disorders, excluding alcohol. And yeah, when we look at hospitalizations, the National Drug and Alcohol Research Center reports information on drug-related hospitalizations, excluding alcohol. In 2019 to 2020, 62,757 hospitalizations were drug-related, equating to 0.6% of the total hospitalizations in Australia's public and private hospitals. A small That was a small increase from 2018 to 2019. Taking into account population growth and ageing and the age standardisation rate of drug-related hospitalizations increased from what, by 199 hospitalizations per 100,000 people. And the rate declined to 250 and 217 and has remained steady in 218 to 219 and 219 to 220.
Between 2018 and 2019 and 2019 and 2020, amphetamines and other stimulants accounted for the highest rate of hospitalizations from 63 to 70 per 100,000. And the rate of antialeptic, sedative, hypnotic, and anti-Parkinson drugs increased between 2018 and 2019 and 2019 to 2020 from 37 to 41 per 100,000. Conversely, opioids saw decreases in the rate of hospitalizations from 33 to 28 per 100,000. And this has been a steady decline since 2015 to 2016. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah it is. And it's interesting how about how opioid use, and you kind of wonder how many opioid addicts came there from prescriptions to be honest um right. when we look at the social impact of illicit drugs use as per, um that include criminal activity engagement with the criminal justice system and victimization for example just under two in five participants in the 2021 um drug survey and over one in three participants of the 2021 reported participating in criminal activities the most common criminal activity was property crime and selling and or dealing drugs in 2019, slightly over one in 10 people aged 14 or over had been a victim of an illicit drug-related incident, experiencing verbal abuse, physical abuse, or being put in fear. It's 10.5% of people, which is pretty bad, in the yeah. previous 12 months and an increase from 9.2% in 2016. In 2018 to 2019, just over one in five, 21% victims and 12% of offenders had consumed illicit drugs or non-therapeutic levels of pharmaceutical drugs before a homicide incident as well. People with mental health conditions, uh, the presence of mental health condition may lead to drug use disorder or vice versa. In some cases, there's a comorbidity. The person who uses drugs can develop a drug use disorder as a consequence of repeated use to relieve or cope with their mental health symptoms. In 2019, the NDSHS showed the proportions of people self-reporting mental health conditions was higher among people age 18 and over who reported the use of illicit drugs in the previous 12 months, 26%, than those who had not used illicit drugs over this period, 15.2%. For example, mental health conditions were reported by 31% of people who recently used methamphetamines compared to 16.6% of non-users, 27% of people who recently used cannabis compared to 15.4% of non-users, 22% of people recently used ecstasy compared to 16.7% of non-users, and 22% of people recently used cocaine compared to 16.6% of non-users. You can definitely see that there's a higher rate of having a mental health issue when you're using drugs compared to non-users. Like it's obviously mental health exists in all facets of society, um, mm -hmm. but definitely increases your risk of experiencing it. For sure. So in the USA, according to the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, 19.7 million American adults aged 12 or older oh, battled God. a substance use disorder in 2017. That's Almost 74% of adults suffering from a substance use disorder in 2017 struggled with alcohol use disorder as well. About 38% of adults in 2017 battled an illicit drug use disorder. It's really high. The same year, one out of every eight adults struggled with alcohol and drug use disorders simultaneously. In 2017, 8.5 million American adults suffered from both mental health disorder and substance use disorders or co-occurring disorders. Drug abuse and addiction cost the American society more than $740 billion annually in workplace productivity, healthcare expenses, and crime-related costs. 
Rates of drug use in the U.S. Alcohol, tobacco, marijuana, prescription stimulants, and methamphetamines are the most widely used drugs in the country. Let's take a closer look at which substances are more, most commonly used according to the NCDAS research. So alcohol is used by 139.8 million people. That's six times the Australian population. <laughs> <laughs> Bananas. Um, tobacco, 58.8 million people. Two Marijuana. times the Australian population. <laughs> <laughs> Marijuana, 2.9 million people. Prescription stimulants, 2.9 million people. Methamphetamines, 2.2 million people. Prescription painkillers, 1.9 million people. Heroin, 957,000 people. Cocaine, 638,000 people. And prescription sedatives, 319,000 people. Um, I th feel like the cocaine numbers are much higher than they're reporting. <laughs> I do too. Same with the heroin. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah. I was like... I, yeah. When I looked at these statistics, I was like, mm, yeah, I feel like that's been underreported. So yeah. who's using drugs in America? People of all demographics, demographics choose to use substances, but some groups may be more likely to use drugs than others, as well as being more prone to drug addiction. There's a summary of published data that shows that groups are most likely to use the types of substances they prefer and why they like to indulge in it. So when we look at baby boomers, Drug use has risen sharply among people 50 or older, which I find so surprising. Um, it may come as a surprise to many, myself, who may imagine <laughs> drug use is a problem among younger generations. And I think I kind of think of it like that. Alcohol mm -hmm. is the main substance causing hospital and rehab admi admissions in older individuals, but other drugs are also responsible for the increase in treatment required. Admissions for treatment or marijuana or heroin use ha have more than doubled in the past 10 years. But the wow. most dramatic increase in hospitalizations were from prescription drugs and cocaine. The latter was the most quadrupled admission rate at the treatment center for baby boomers. I find that such a surprise. I do too. Like I, I could see the alcohol use, but cocaine. Yeah, yeah I know. I was like, it doesn't see. Yeah, that that yeah. is pretty shocking. Yeah. Women are more likely to suffer from disorders related to the use of alcohol, opioids, cannabis, stimulants, and nicotine. A variety of causes are responsible, such as influence from their partners and highly pro a higher propensity for mood and anxiety disorders. Anxiety or stress-related disorders may lead some women to become addicted to substances as they seek to self-medicate or escape from their stressors that contribute to their anxieties. Oh, this one's going to hit home. College students, the overuse <laughs> of alcohol in college is well documented and widely known, but college students are turning to other substances as well. The social nature of the college life and party habits may develop after they leave home for the first time in their life and may lead to increases of more than alcohol. Nicotine from cigarettes and drugs, such as marijuana and prescription medications, are other substances students tend to experiment with during their college years. So, so everyone, I, so just so everyone knows, um, yeah. Melissa's daughter left on the weekend to college. So that was, this is freaking her out right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to send her the link to the show once we release it so she can listen. So the opioid epidemic. Opioids activate certain parts in the brain that are extremely addictive. It continues addictive use, often related to switch from seeking pleasure to avoiding the discomfort of withdrawal. The ongoing opioid epidemic stems in part from the heavy use of prescription opioids. According to drugabuse.gov, roughly 21 to 29% of patients prescribed opioids for chronic pain misuse them. Furthermore, about 80% of people who use heroin for the um, first misuse prescription opioids. 
Although many organisations at government and community level are working to provide better access to services for treatment and recovery related to opioid addiction, the widespread rates which opioids were previously being prescribed have already contributed greatly to the overall rise in drug use in the United States. There's an amazing documentary, I think it's like six parts on Netflix called The Pharmacist, and it really goes into prescription opioid um, addiction in America. It's a very interesting uh, docu- like six-part documentary, and I really highly recommend watching it. Oh, cool. We'll have to put a link to that in yeah. the show notes. Oral health problems are among the most prevalent health problems associated with drug addiction, drug abuse, and I'm sorry, drug abuse has both direct and indirect consequences for oral health and can exact, exacerbate oral problems indirectly through adverse effects on the user's behavior and lifestyle. Excluding smoking and tobacco use, as well as alcohol drinking, published evidence on effects of main categories of illicit drug on oral health is growing. These drug categories include opiates, cannabis, hallucinogens, cocaine, amphetamine type stimulants, and various club drugs. Oral health complications associated with drug abuse may result from direct exposure of oral tissues to drugs during smoking or ingestion, biological interaction of drugs with normal physiology of the oral cavity, and effects of drugs on brain function, which can result in a spectrum of addictive behaviors such as risk-taking behavior, poor hygiene, aggression, and carelessness. So oral health problems associated with opiates. Opiate drugs include opium, it's psycho psychoactive constitutes such as morphine and semi-synthetic derivatives such as heroin. Opioid as a broader term also includes the scenic derivatives of a family such as methadone. In opiate drug users, tooth loss, tooth extraction and generalized tooth decay, especially on smooth and cervical surfaces, are common. Moreover, salivary hyperfunction among these patients leads to xerostomia, burning mouth, taste impairment, eating difficulties, mucosal infections and periodontal diseases. Periodontal disease appear usually in the form of adult periodontitis, although reports also exist of necrotizing gingivitis. Heroin users show poor oral health in terms of caries and periodontal disease, and a study on heroin injectors reported that regardless of their oral hygiene, these patients suffer from progressive dental caries. Covering a wider area of the typical cervical lesions, caries in these patients is darker and usually limited to buccal and labial surfaces, and these patterns may be patho pathomonic for um for heroin abuse and if you think about it like i know you know if you've had a couple of wines out with your girlfriends and you get home you're often a bit slack with your oral health imagine Mm -hmm. if you're taking illicit drugs i can't imagine you're coming home brushing your teeth to be honest good lord no that's (laughs) the last thing they're thinking about or even coming to see dental professionals as well you know, and then even when they do, maybe when they do come see us, you know, it's a, it's a time where they're, you know, sober and then they have this mouth of disease that we're diagnosing and the way we present and handle that could potentially stress them out and lead them right back to the yeah. addiction. So we have to be really cautious and kind of think about the way we talk to our patients, you know, even if we slightly suspect something. Oral health problems associated with cannabis. Cannabis use mainly hashish and marijuana leads to an increased risk of oral cancer, dry mouth, and periodontitis. Onset of periodontitis among young adults has a dose response associated with cannabis abuse, regardless of the concurrent tobacco smoking. A systematic review by Versting showed oral side effects of cannabis, including xerostomia, leukodemia, high prevalence of candida candidia albicans, but not candidiasis, and higher DMF scores, and especially their D component. Based in one study, cannabis does not elevate the risk of caries by itself, 
the life cycle of cannabis users combined with short-term degrees in saliva makes them highly susceptible to smooth surface caries. Moreover, in another study, about half of cannabis users reported pulpitis during a period of cannabis smoking, a condition that may be attributed to cannabis as having an adverse effect on their vasculature. That's really interesting. There's some really interesting um, lectures coming up now about cannabis use and oral health because as um, cannabis use becomes legalized, we're seeing we're obviously going to see an increase of use. So it's an area that we really need to level up and get more education on. We definitely, and I have to admit, it's not my strong point. Um, I think it'd be really good to get uh, someone who lectures on this come on the show soon and, and we can dedicate an episode to um, cannabis use because I think we're going to see, especially America, like nearly all the states are following suit and legalizing it. Yes. I think you're going to see more and more use of it. So oral health problems associated with stimulants. Stimulants include amphetamine, methamphetamine, cocaine, and crack cocaine have significant adverse effects on oral and dental health. Depending on the main method of drug administration, cocaine abusers show several oral and facial manifestations. Cocaine snorting is associated with nasal septum proliferation, changes in sense of smell, chronic sinusitis, and proliferation of the palate. Ooh. Oral administration of cocaine may result in gingival lesions and local application of cocaine onto the gingiva by addicts to test the quality may lead to gingival recession. I didn't actually know that before I did this research. I knew this, though, that bruxism is a common complication in cocaine users, leading to dental attrition. Following its oral and nasal application, cocaine powder reduces the saliva pH, making the dentition susceptible to dental erosion as well. Crack cocaine smoking produces burns and sores on the lips, face, and inside the mouth, which may increase the, increase the risk of oral transmission of HIV as well. Wow. I have an interesting little chair story to share. I Do you guys have aura kicks in Australia? Yeah, That's, yeah, yeah. So I used it on a patient once, and he turned to me, and he goes, oh, that tastes just like cocaine drip. <laughs> I was like, oh, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I might be able to say that to my patient next time. This tastes funny. It tastes just like cocaine drip. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> it was just one of those awkward moments when I was like, oh, okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Methamphetamine abusers show bruxism, excessive tooth wear, xerostomia, and rampant caries, so-called meth mouth, a condition described by patients as blackened, stained, rotting, crumbling, or falling apart. This is this distinct pattern of caries on buccal and cer cervical smooth tooth surfaces and proximal surfaces of the anterior teeth. A direct relationship between rampant caries and methamphetamine abuse has, however, not yet been established. A wide range of behavioral factors in addition to drugs can contribute to dental caries in these patients. Methamphetamine users face an increased risk of caries related to a lack of oral hygiene and a high sugar intake and a decreased salivary secretion. Following the use of stimuli stimulants, patients report tooth grinding and clenching, both of which result in tooth wear, tooth sensitivity, and difficulty chewing and jaw opening. It's pretty yeah. interesting. It's a so lot of oral health problems associated with hallucinogens. Hallucinogens such as ecstasy and LSD result in several um, oral complications, including dry mouth, bruxism, and problems associated with malnutrition caused by drug-induced anorexia. Chewing, grinding, and temporomandibular joint tenderness are frequently reported by ecstasy users. 
Ecstasy-induced tooth wear attributed to grinding and clenching are more common on occlusal surfaces of back teeth than on incisor ledges, and the problem may result in jaw clenching than of a tooth grinding. High intake of carbonated drinks to overcome the sensation of dry mouth after drug taking may lead to dental caries and erosion, and topical use of ecstasy may result in oral tissue necrosis and mucosal fenestrations. Oof. Yeah. Right? Give me the chills. Oral health problems associated with club drugs. Club drugs including, oh gosh, how am I going to say it? Just say MDMA. The the word is so long, everyone, we can't say it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's 5.46 in the morning. (laughs) Ketamine, gamma hydroxy, butyrate, GHB, and flutantrazepam are chemical substances used mainly by young people in recreational settings such as dance clubs and rave parties. These drugs are associated with several side effects, among which oral complications have been frequently reported. For example, dry mouth and bruxism following the use of MDMA and may aggravate oral conditions and result in dental caries and tooth wear. Increased risk of dental erosion among these patients is associated with the consumption of high amounts of acidic sugary drinks in order to relieve xerostomia and dehydration following the use of this drug at dance parties. Furthermore, mucosal involvement such as ulcers, vestibular swelling, edema, and necrosis have been case reported in ecstasy users. Cocaine, another drug used regularly by young people engaged in nightlife, has several oral facial side effects such as nasal septum perforation, perforation of the palate, gingival involvement, erosion, and excessive tooth wear. These side effects have been reported especially with contaminant use of ecstasy. So we really went over some very interesting statistics and we wanted to just kind of explain some of the different oral health problems for each drug. So how can you now translate this to the clinical um, operating dental hygienist or HT is, um, well, really understanding that it's not just one age group. You may need to talk to people over 50, the baby boomers as well. (laughs) Um, But also, you know, if, you know, patients are talking, if you're seeing signs of wear and they're talking about maybe going out clubbing a lot or things like that when you're chatting, you can talk to them about recreational drug use. You can even put it on your medical history form, like do you take recreational drugs? Mm-hmm. Um, in your smoking, don't just ask, you know, do you smoke cigarettes? Remember we did the vape episode, ask about vaping and ask if they're taking cannabis. And you can talk about some of the side effects for that. If a patient discloses to you that they're having trouble with illicit drugs, I think one of the biggest things is um, don't shame them. Uh, yes. You know, there's multiple reasons why people become drug addicts and we didn't delve into that as much today, but we did talk a little bit about mental health issues. But we know that there's other issues that are behind this and the drug use is really just a manifestation of something else going on. So try mm-hmm. not to shame them. Um, recommend them that they see their GP or one of the drug treatment um, places in your area. Talk to them about the oral health side effects and ways that you can help them as well and the importance of oral hygiene and maintaining their appointments. But also, um, you know, we talk about this all the time. What isn't normal usually is because it's not a, you know, a different reason. So if you're looking in a perio mouth or a lot of caries and, and you can't figure it out why, this is why we have to dig deeper and ask more questions and see what else is going on in people's lives. Absolutely. And, and I think this is a really good episode for people that work in a clinic setting, uh, people who are working with patients who maybe don't have insurance, people that even students, because you're yeah. in a you're in a hygiene school clinic where, you know, the, it's, there's better access to care for people who may not have dental insurance and things like that. So these are things that you'd be identifying 
probably more frequently than in like a fee for service private practice environment. So, you know, and, but again, don't rule out, you know, they're with drug abuse, people of that you wouldn't expect, like, like Tabitha just mentioned with the baby boomers, that's that's the (laughs) generation that both of us were a little bit shocked to read that statistic about. So, um, you can't like, you know, just by appearance rule things out, but you always want to create an environment in your operatory where it's that patient feels safe and comfortable to share these things with you and know that you're really there to help them. Yeah. And I actually saw um, when I was a student, which was a really good point that you made, I had a patient who was an ex-heroin addict and was now using methadone and was trying to get their perio under control and everything like that. One of the huge problems, and we didn't really mention this today, was I couldn't get him numb, but he had hypersensitivity. Yes. And that is a huge problem with it, with, with um, especially someone that's using the methadone. Um, they've got such high levels of that methadone in their system. The local anesthetic doesn't work, um, but he was hypersensitive. And so they're difficult patients to manage as well. So set aside, you know, I'm really lucky in a student clinic, you know, you've got four hours to do something that you've got to do in right. 20 minutes in private practice. So, right. <laughs> um, you know, I'm sure I saw him 55 times. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so really lucky that I you know as a student I got all that extra time um but in private practice you might need to set aside some extra time or maybe when you're treatment planning that perio you're going to take longer to do it than you normally would do it because you're going to have to think about pain management how much can they tolerate how how are we going to work this and then also be really mindful of your patients that are that have had alcohol addiction in the past or drug addiction in the past of what you prescribe them so don't mm-hmm. prescribe them a mouth rinse with alcohol in it if they're an ex if they're an ex addict, and make sure that people are aware so that um, one of the dentists doesn't prescribe them a medication that could cause them harm to to slip back into addiction again. So you know have that flag that it's something that you're really mindful of when you're thinking about how you treat and plan or treatment they treat these patients as well. Absolutely, and our operating systems are today are, are designed in such a way that you can set those kind of alerts, and it it's gonna f- like literally slap you in the face every time you click a button on that patient chart. So that's that's a great uh, yeah, Tabitha. Well, thank you all again for tuning in to our latest episode of Disrupting Dentistry. Thank you for having a little patience with us. We had a hard time coordinating our schedules. Plus, it's in the summer right now. If you're listening. <laughs> Um, so we, you know, we're, we're, it's summertime and we're all, well, it's summer for me. It's still winter for you, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I've been jealous of your summer photos. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, we appreciate your patience with us because this is a little delayed on the release. Um, but again, please, uh, if you like this episode, you love our content, please share with your dental colleague friends, um, and make sure you leave us a review. We absolutely love reading those. They really light up our day. It makes all of this worthwhile. So in the meantime, until we meet again, keep on disrupting. Bye. Hey, thank you again so much for tuning into the Disrupting Dentistry podcast. We love to hear from you viewers and we love that you join us for our episodes. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And leave us a review. We love reading reviews from all over the world. It's one of the things that actually makes all the hard work feel really worth it when we get to see which episodes you're enjoying or some feedback that you give. So leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or write something on our Facebook or our Instagram page. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks so much for listening. Keep on disrupting.